Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. Hi, welcome to our podcast. And we're going to be strong out of the gate here. Great. Just the way I like it. That's right. And if we get down five minutes and the horse is still in the gate, um, we'll just kind of probably wrap it up and say, well, that's it, folks. Thank you very much. But These always go exactly uh, as long as they need to, though. They do. I, they do. And the question we were teasing around with uh, this morning was, what's the best question you've ever been asked? Right? Correct. What is the best question you have been asked? And... It's so interesting. I've been chewing on that, thinking about it, and you've been thinking about it. So you have something probably that uh, is on the front forefront of your mind. Yeah. I, it took a minute for me to figure this out. I woke up this morning. It was one of the first thoughts that I had, and I wanted to text it to you. So we had a little lead-in time. And typically, we just jump right into these things and say, it goes wherever it goes. But this is an interesting one. And if you want to pause the podcast right now and think about this or maybe afterwards, I feel like this is a great question to reflect upon for a couple different reasons. It gets you to scan not just questions, but relationships, mm -hmm. because you're often getting asked great questions by people uh, who know you, who care about you, and who want to see where that relationship uh, could go. So we don't ask questions meaningful questions so much of people, strangers. I, I rarely go up to somebody in the grocery store, grab them by the scruff of their shirt and say, what's the best question you've ever been asked in your entire life? What do you think's happening in your soul right now, ma'am? That's not typically the case. But many years ago, before I started the Christian lifestyle, the Christian walk, the baptism, the men's groups, going to church, everything and the like, I was floundering quite a bit and I went and I saw a therapist and I just unloaded on this guy and told him all the stuff that was going on with me. It wasn't as though I was beating up on him. It's just that I had story uh, after story, after story, after story about myself, about my childhood. And I told him, this is who I am. This is how I view myself. This is how other people view me. And he paused and he said, so are you buying it? Whoa. Yeah. That's powerful. That's really powerful. That was me talking for sessions and sessions. You know, he used to do two hour sessions with me and he didn't do that for anybody else. I felt mm. special yeah. uh, in some kind of regard. Um, but that was like the first major question and that changed my entire life. That question changed my entire life because mm. I didn't even realize that I had a choice or say in the matter mm. of this is who I am. This is how other people think I am. Yes. But that was, that was a thought that was later refined by you where you helped 
really forged that thought into something even more powerful, which was, does it matter what other people think about you? Does it matter what you think about you? Or does it simply matter what God thinks about you? Mm -hmm. And that was taking it a cut deeper. And that question changed my life. Mm. So these, that was the best question I've ever been asked. And then you refined that question and made it even more powerful. So that's where I'm starting this conversation. And yeah, I'll turn it over to you now. That, what I like about that answer, I would have probably liked any answer because it's your answer. <laughs> but what I liked about that is sometimes the best, most powerful questions are very simple and just exploratory. Totally. Curious. It's just creating space to say, hmm, yeah, you buying it? I mean, that I, I love that because that created space for you to be empowered to say, wait a minute, I have the opportunity to listen to some voices and not listen to other voices. The way I look at that is that in our soul, we have a dinner party. <laughs> right. And um, there are voices there, people that are telling us who we are and trying to shape us that we shouldn't have at our dinner party. A hundred percent. Trying to get those people out of our dinner party can be difficult and um, and yet very crucial. If we're going to be the best version of our true authentic self we can be, we need to get rid of the voices that are really um, not accurate. We need to reality test those. And that means we have to pause. We have to be able to go, hmm, interesting. This is, this is the way I was thinking. I had a conversation the other day with someone about defining success, and we kind of were wrestling with that. Whose voice is defining success in your life right now? Totally. And that is such a great place of application for us. Who's, whose voice is defining beauty for you right now, or whose voice is defining goodness? Culture's trying to define it. TV's trying to define it. Everyone's trying to define it. And if we allow God to define it, that, that changes. It changes the game. Well, think about the staying power of TV shows and movies that have come out in the past, I don't know, two decades. How many of them really stick with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many of them really stick with you? They haven't changed. Uh, as, as you say, culture is trying to define what's good, what's success. People watch these new shows and these new movies and, and it doesn't resonate with people. Like they're, they consume it and then they're on to the next thing and it doesn't take hold. Yeah. And so why is that? There's because they're not doing it correctly. They're not speaking a true message. There's no relationship between me and a television, right? There's relationships between me and a person and God's not a part of the equation in most yeah. of pop culture. So if you look at all of those things, how are we going to find that success? How are we going to find that goodness? How are we going to find that meaning? How are we going to find the relationships, the authenticity, the belonging, the purpose? The list goes on. Our culture is not well equipped to deal with this, uh, what I would qualify as a crisis of identity, right? So as you're talking about the dinner table that exists in our heart, our soul, a lot of that has to do with the story we're telling ourselves about ourselves and who we are and what we believe to be true. And 
I don't think the modern world is really well equipped to help us out in figuring out the accurate story and quieting down the voices that don't belong and amplifying the voices that really do. No, they actually, to the contrary, they want to create a different narrative. They want to tell you who you are. They want to be the ones, because if you can label someone, you have power over them. And I might qualify your statement just a little bit because you talked about Please uh, do. how modern media is, is it's not changing, you know, people's not, it's just falling, falling on them, but it's not really moving them. Sure. Depends. And I would just qualify that, say it's not moving them in a healthy direction. Sure. Because with the amount of depression, suicide, divorce, all of the challenges, substance abuse, uh, you know, abuse of going in and running headlong into work or your kid's sports, guilty as charged. <laughs> um, all of that is a manifestation of messages we've gotten from from around us. And that is something that we probably don't know. And that's probably the first place. If we don't, if we don't know how to identify what I'm taking away from certain shows, then I am taking all of it. Well, tell me this. Do you think a lot of people are looking for peace, comfort, and spiritual and psychological psychological security, and they're just grasping for anything to latch on to? That there's such a, a chaotic psychological landscape in our in our culture that there is that feeling of being a ship on the ocean, not having any control and saying, I need to just grab it something, be it a TV show, be it uh, sports, be it gambling, mm-hmm. be it X, Y, or Z. And we're just, that's the way people are trying to stay afloat in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's not, it's maybe it's not even so conscious of a choice as we might think it is sometimes where people are feeling so spiritually and emotionally and mentally uh, unwell and deregulated that they're just saying like, I don't care if that piece of driftwood uh, is sloppy and isn't super buoyant, just give me anything. And hopefully I can find a new piece of driftwood Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And I'm going to do that as long as it takes, hopefully I stay afloat, but eventually you get to a place and there's no more driftwood. Mm -hmm you find yourself on the open ocean of the spirit and, and this is a spiritual uh, crisis that we're experiencing because the spiritual aspects of life pervade every aspect of life, be it personal, relational or cultural. Right. I know I'm monologuing a little bit, but uh, I'll turn it back over to you. I'm I'm in agreement. Um, do you know what it likes to have the feeling I'm just hanging on by a thread here? Oh yeah. All right. I think most people do. Zero I hesitation. Do. I can answer that a hundred percent. You do. Most people understand I'm just hanging on by a thread here. Sure. And if you were to assign a percentage of the people that we rub shoulders with on a daily basis, who would say, I'm just, Hanging on by a thread here. Yeah. What percentage would you say? It's alarmingly high and and it's increasing. I wouldn't be able to put an accurate number on it, a percentage. Oh, just take a guess. We don't. It's not a quiz. Over, it's just over fifty percent, and yeah. it's increasing. Yeah. 
I I get the sense that I'm rubbing elbows with people who have quite recently potentially had the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. And that's nuts. That is nuts. Yes. So yeah. what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. And also, let's not let you evade the question of the day, which is what's the best question that you've ever been asked? And maybe that doesn't fit into our flow right now, <laughs> but we'll get to we it eventually. We can, we can, circle, cir- back. We can yes. circle to that. We but, can circle back But to let's that. talk about rubbing elbows with people who yes. may have recently just had the worst day yes. of their life. Yes. And hopefully I'm not being too hyperbolic in saying that, but unfortunately that very well could be true. Yes, I do. I think there's a lot of truth there's, um, again, I, my mind, the way my mind goes isn't the way everyone's supposed to go, but my mind map hears something like that. And my first question is, is that really the worst day of your life? Or is the meaning you're giving to that moment make that the worst day of your life? I think it's option option B. But people feel tired. Yes. I get the sense that people are really exhausted. Yes. Spiritually exhausted. Yes. What is because we all know what physical fatigue feels like. We know what emotional fatigue feels like. Mm-hmm. But if we talk about um the fabric that weaves everything together, which is the the spirit, yeah. What does spiritual fatigue look like? And how do you get that spiritual rest? So I have a friend, you have a friend, we have a friend that we know quite well. And I remember about a year ago, he was saying, I just want peace. I want peace. I want rest. You're taking away from my rest. This is taking away from my rest and my peace. And he was desperate Mm -hmm. for spiritual calm, and he couldn't find it anywhere. Do people even know that they're spiritually exhausted if they're not spiritually literate? Would they feel it and then define it as something else? How do you know when you're spiritually exhausted and that you're in a spiritual danger zone and that you need to break the glass, spiritually break the glass and have that pull the Jesus fire alarm, so to speak, and say, I am so off my moorings um, and say, I can't, I actually can't even reach the Jesus fire alarm. Could you pull the fire alarm for me? Yes. Like you across the room. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're playing with some imagery today. We are. <laughs> it's always good to do this. And we can relate to these because we've had seasons in our life and chapters in our life where we're like, yes, I get that. I understand that. And I think it's from that wisdom that we can bring connection. Say, I get that. I, I, I said the exact same thing to myself about three months ago. I'm just hanging on by a thread here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can ask questions to help people think through that and work through that. You know, what what do we do with that? Do we do we try to get out from that or do we try to go through it? I think most of the people in our culture are just trying to get out instead of going through. And getting out will never get us to where we want to go. I want to pause on that. That's a beautiful statement right there. Yeah. And it's a very hard statement to hear if you're hanging on by a thread. A hundred percent. All you want is out, but all you need is to go through. And that's a very different game plan. It's a different mission that actually starts with completely different assumptions. 
the person that says, I just want out has assumed I don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. I don't have what's around me to support me. Um, I just want out. Where's the escape hatch? And the person that is going through has a different set of assumptions because they said, you know, God has brought me to this place for a reason. He's trying to refine something. He's trying to build something in me. I'm going to assume that he sees something in me that I don't see, and I'm going to start looking for people around me that can help me journey through this, not just escape from this. I see that as like a story versus a crisis. The through is the story, right? Yeah. The crisis is like, let me hit the eject. Yes. Let me hit the eject button, but appreciating the story that goes with it. But this also just brings me to the place of saying, what are the kind of questions that somebody who's hanging on a thread needs to hear to feel like they are willing to explore going through rather than just opting out? Yeah. How do you help somebody move in that direction? Because chances are they can't do it by themselves. If they're really lucky, they'll have that come to Jesus moment or that divine intervention. But sometimes the divine intervention is actually coming through another person. Mm -hmm. And that might be you who uh, is listening to this right now. You might be called to step into somebody's world and ask them the correct question to bring them into a place where they're re-engaging. Yes. Yeah, and if if I were giving uh, a prescription, if you will, to someone who is in this place and maybe doesn't even have community, um, I would encourage them to write down every single thing that they're thinking and feeling and the story and the crisis. Write, write down. Capture Smart. everything. Early in my marriage... Um, Cherish and I had very frequent, very intense arguments. And I'll, thankfully now, after almost 30 years of marriage, we've the duration and intensity has gone down. And according to John Gottman, that's the goal. Right. You're always going to have conflict. Sure. Um, and it's just a matter of how intense and how, how long it goes. Fantastic. Good. All right. I need to assume that it's going to be here. But in those early days, it would really take my train off its tracks, spiritually, emotionally. And then I would have physical things that would come as a result of that conflict because I wasn't equipped to navigate it. And mm-hmm. so I've just, I, w- I was a basket case. And so I would take my journal and I would go to a coffee shop and I would write down every single thing I could remember from the conversation. It would, mm. she, this is the way it started. And then she said this, and then I said this, and I would just write down a complete description of every single thing that was said um, sometimes with nuances of this is the way this made me feel, or this is what I thought here, and I'm really glad I didn't say this, <laughs> but more of just trying to capture the kind of, um, the objective, what, what really happened there. Mm-hmm. And I would get done with that and I would just close my journal and say, God, can you help? Can mm. you help me understand this? Can you, can you help me navigate this? Help me learn from this. And I can't tell you how quickly God shows up to that prayer. Hmm. I am so glad you asked. Is it possible that when you said this, it really took the conversation in a bad direction? Oh, yeah. 
Okay, well, let's explore that. Why did you say that? Ah, uh, man, I was scared. Okay, why were you scared? And these real conversations with God, unpacking real conversations with Cherish, allowed me to grow in some emotional maturity and some spiritual maturity. Granted, I didn't feel close enough to anyone or vulnerable enough with anyone to be able to tell them about that, because I think that might even be better. God can show up both ways. He can show up in the journal. Uh, he can show up in a conversation with a trusted friend. Mm-hmm. But I think good, better, best, I think the best would be sharing that with a trusted friend, mm-hmm. someone who's going to give some wise counsel. And Well, it's great to get... Um... Writing is such an important way to organize our minds. Yes. That's the real value of it. And and there was something about writing it down that took the fire and the emotion and the the intensity of the feelings that was driving most of the uh, you know energy in the conversation away. All right. right. And then she said this, and then she said this. All right, you know, I'm capturing this and like Oh, and I can't tell you how often I was able to then go and apologize and say, I'm so sorry. I think I said this and it really triggered you and and I want to own that. I apologize. I could have said that differently. And then I overreacted to this for this very reason. And um, it brought a lot of closeness. I'm trying to think about just hanging on by a thread mm-hmm. were there any points that you felt like you were hanging on by a thread and what was the lifeline that brought you back from one of those times that you were hanging on by a thread but like before we move there let me just say that journaling i am all for it the process you yeah. just described both for relationships and just sorting out things on uh that personal level that's that's a plus so i mean you applied that to your your marriage, but that can be applied to the inner uh, demons of our soul that yes. need to be uh, banished, mm-hmm. right? Um, when when we do that, even if we uh, do a chronology of a sin that we walked into, when we start writing and capturing the story, as you mentioned, we start seeing where we got off track in those steps. They talk about lost hikers, right? <laughs> lost hikers don't get lost because of one bad decision. It's a series of bad decisions. Mm-hmm. It's five bad decisions <laughs> that they made. And and that's what made them get lost is the combination. And sometimes when we find ourselves lost, hanging on by a thread, we can look back and say, okay, where what were those movements that contributed to this? Not to say that every single one of them was a bad decision, Sometimes the worst decision we can make in the middle of a, I'm just hanging on by a thread, is believing one of the voices that we shouldn't believe. Is believing that we're hanging on by a thread. Yeah. How about that? That's powerful. That goes back to, are you buying it? So we might feel like we're hanging on by a thread, but that's the story we're telling ourselves about ourselves. We might have a support system that is well within reach. People that you could reach out to, that you could call, that you could say, I'm not doing so hot. Right. And all of a sudden, listen, that that's not a thread. That's a rope. Mm-hmm. That's you have the rope at your disposal yes. and you have you have people in, in the water around you and they are bolstered by yes. life jackets made out of our boy JC. Yes. And they're doing just fine. Yeah. But 
maybe we're not hanging on by a thread. So that needs to be yes. one of the inner voices that you Agreed. might have to quiet is say, if you have that inner voice saying, I'm just barely hanging on, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Are you buying it? That's one of the voices at yes. your dinner party. Yes. And you have to, you have to look that voice straight in the face. Yes. Um, and you can write this down and then look at it on paper, or you can, if you can do this uh, in prayer, fantastic. Yes. If you can do it with another person, fantastic. But when you're assessing those voices and tracing back those thought maps, yes. right? Yep. How about that? How about it? it's as simple as, am I buying this? Yes. I, I love that because the study of neuroscience is showing that um, statements kind of resonate with that left part of our brain that starts locking us into a certain thing. And then the, the, the questions start engaging the right side of our brain. So even if we just take it instead of a sentence, I'm losing it. I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread. If we just turn that into a question, am I hanging on by a thread? It forces the brain to actually go look for supporting evidence, mm -hmm. right? And if we can do that, especially in a relationship where we can say, well, no, I'm not hanging on by a thread because this is one component of my life and there's many other components of my life that are very strong threads. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, let's, let's right size this. I may be hanging on by a thread in this specific area. Right. But that question allows us to engage in that creativity, um, on our imagination to challenge those wrong statements that we are anchoring onto. And that doesn't mean that we can't actually be in rough spots, right? Uh, absolutely. Listen, we can have a pretty frayed rope, yes. right? I would never uh, want to say that I'm hanging on by a thread because totally. that would lend uh, and really, that would really point into the direction of unidimensionality and that there was a single explanation for the story that ended on this small, tiny thread, right? Some pieces of my rope might be frayed at any given time, but we're going to be able to weave them back. Yeah. And listen, there's some people who have uh, very frayed ropes. Yes. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I don't want to minimize that. real yes. problems that people are facing. Totally agree. Where all of a sudden, um, listen, you put anybody in that person's shoes, and they are yeah. they are really tr struggling to tread water. Right. And I, and I love your sensitivity to this area and this topic, and maybe we just need to include the question, um, is, is it okay if I feel like I am hanging by a thread? Mm. License to feel. Yes. Is it okay if I feel this way? Yes. All right. Let me give myself permission to feel that way first before I start diving into saying, am I really? Uh, let me, let me give, if, if someone doesn't, um, have that first initial, permission to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give myself permission to feel what I'm feeling right now, then the whole rest of the journey takes a very different, um, look, right? It, it, it starts the footing off very poorly. If you don't feel like it's okay to feel what you're feeling right now. Oh yeah. If, uh, all of a sudden you're editorializing your thoughts and emotions and saying, I, I should just feel I happy. Feel I way. need to, I need to, 
just try a little bit harder. I yep. need to laugh a little bit more, yep. eat, pray, love, that sort of <laughs> nonsense. I'm just not doing the right things here. And that's going to create more internal strife. And yes. that's going to uh, fray the rope quite a bit more. Actually, that becomes more of the problem than the actual presenting problem. A hundred percent. Yeah. I agree with that. And so, so good. And thankfully, think about Jesus and the permission he would give us to feel what we are feeling. He's there in the dinner party of our soul. And we're saying, I feel like I am hanging by a thread. What do you think Jesus would say to that? How would you feel even sharing that with him? Would you feel comfortable sharing that with him? Yeah. Why? Because he already already knows. So he already knows. Beautiful. Okay. He already knows you feel like you're hanging on by a thread. And that speaks to the value of the relationship, that there's space between you and Jesus where you can express yourself and be honest. And even though he already knows what's going on, that would rob you of the connection yeah. of you being able to voice it yourself. Yes. If he came to you and said, like, listen, I already know everything that's going on, it's nicer to have that conversation, that dialogue, and that relationship. Yeah. And he could say, gosh, well, I don't know. I'm going to turn this one back over to you. If you say to Jesus, I'm hanging on by a thread, or I feel that way, it might be accurate, it might not be, but this is where I'm at, and... I want to turn it over to you. What am I not seeing that you're that you're seeing? Well, I think you are seeing what I'm seeing. <laughs> because if Jesus already knows what I'm feeling, and if we add that to Hebrews chapter 4, we have a, a high priest who can empathize with our every weakness, then we have someone who understands and has experienced this feeling. Me too. I've I've felt that way before. In the temptation in the desert, in the garden right before my my crucifixion, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was hanging on my throat, and that doesn't feel good. Come here. Let me hold you. He might not even share any words because he's probably not going to try to fix it. That's what we would do if we were doing a little junior remote control Jesus. Right. All right, come here. Let me tell you what you need to do. Okay, thank you. I'll go here and I'll go do better. That That's not the way he would work. He may say nothing with regard to the, the crisis, the story, or anything else. He may just hold us for a while mm-hmm. and just I, love us. I think of just hand on the shoulder, one hand on the shoulder, and that's that's the image that I'm so, working with I, right now. Okay, so and and that's good because maybe that just shows where we're at. Because for me, if I'm hanging on by a thread and someone puts puts a hand on my shoulder, a hand on the shoulder, <laughs> uh, a hand on the shoulder from Jesus is like a pretty diesel hand on the shoulder. I need, though I need a, I need a big, two armed bear hug that creates enough safety for me to probably start crying on his shoulder. That's what I need. That speaks volumes about you being able to get in touch with the wounded self and saying, this is what I need. I probably am not that in touch with my woundedness. And when I see that image, I see Jesus hugging a child Mm -hmm. and he is hugging our, our wounded inner child and saying, listen, 
so much of the way you're going through life is not your yes. fault. Yes. A lot happened to you and yeah. changed the way you perceived yourself yeah. and changed the way you perceived others and changed the way you perceived everything that your senses can take in. Can I add something there? Please do. Sorry to for no, this is going to be in. good. I can feel it. Because he's not just holding the wounded parts of us. He's holding the parts of us that have walked ourselves headlong into really stupid things. Sure. And stupid places. Um, Jesus, um, invited to a dinner party by the Pharisees. I don't know why he went. <laughs> He did. <laughs> right. If I was invited to a dinner party by some Pharisees, I would not have said yes. I said, no, thank you. I'm going to sit this one out. I know what you guys are up to. Right? right, right. He goes to this dinner party. There's a man there who is suffering from dropsy. Now, dropsy is a disease of the accumulation of fluid in the body uh, because of overindulgence of food and drink. And so this guy's body was shutting down because he's rich, he's fat, he's eaten and drank himself into this horrible state in life, right? Rough. And Jesus chooses to heal him. And if I'm at this dinner party with the Pharisees, I would fold my arms and say, Jesus, you walked by a cripple to get to this dinner party and you didn't heal him. You went for the glutton. You went, why? Why in the world would you heal that big sack of whatever? Right? Yeah, a lot of our wounds are, a lot of our deepest wounds are self-inflicted. I mean, that guy, he was self-flagellating in a lot of ways. Uh, the... Say the name of the affliction again. Dropsy. Dropsy. I mean, that's somebody who's uh, self-flagellating and self-medicating, right? Right. All at the same time. And those feel like his own choices, but what what happened in this dude's story before yeah. he decided to drown himself and drink and stuff his face silly? Yeah. Um, Jesus gets to see all that and we don't, right? Yeah. He gets to see the full story and we don't. And so that's why when we come across person X, Y, and Z and we don't know their entire story, that we just don't have that kind yes. of perspective. And that's unfortunate, but it's also fortunate. Yeah, I don't want to see somebody's entire story. That would blow my mind. I don't know if I would have the heart to drink it all in. Yeah. And I just, I think it's important for us to realize that it's not just the wounded parts of us that other people inflicted upon us that Jesus wants to hold and heal. It's all of us. Yes. It's all I'm glad us. you went there. Because this guy with dropsy was healed. Do you think he felt a metaphorical hug and love from someone that says, you, you are valuable. You're not beyond saving. This is exactly why I've come. I've come so that people think that they're not just hanging on by a thread. They're free-falling. I've come so that those people know, no, there's hope. There's life. There's a different way of moving through this. Let me come in. Let me start tinkering with your operating system and start changing things around.
I just want to know how we can let Jesus rewrite our personal script a little bit better each day. Maybe we don't rewrite the entire script in a day because mm-hmm. that seems a little ambitious. Yeah. But maybe just piece by piece, and Absolutely. we we ask the right questions. Yes, we have that relationship with Jesus, and we say, "This one chapter didn't make a lot of sense to me, and now I feel like my story is completely off kilter. Everything sucks right now. At least that's the way I'm looking at it." Could you tell me a different story? Could you please just come in and tell me a different story? Yes. And he loves to do that. And that's the part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to come alongside us all throughout a day and say, are you buying this? Are you buying this? Are you buying this? Man, okay, you can buy that, but you're going to be on slippery driftwood or driftwood that's actually balsa wood that's going to take on water and you're going to sink very shortly. This isn't, this isn't going to help you. So. Right. Boy, we've been to some very interesting places. We're going to press pause on the best question I've ever been asked, because I think, what a great place to just leave people. Jesus wants to love all of you. We're hanging by a thread. It's okay to be there. Maybe we need to start challenging some of the messages that got us there. What else would you add to a little summary? You're so good at summarizing these times. I don't know. I'm kind of spellbound by this uh, whole conversation. I feel like there was some great movement here. I would really just encourage you, the listener, to start a conversation with the question, what's the best question you've ever been asked? Yeah. I think that is a game changer. And I think that is going to lead to somebody telling you a story about themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you can segue further into the conversation. This took an amazing turn early. We went from the best question to the stories that we're hearing and the answers that are coming from the false voices in our heart, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's, there's the authentic story, there's the story worth telling. There's Jesus's story. Whose story are we listening to about ourselves? Yeah. Maybe you ask uh, somebody that today. I think that's another good question. You say, who's the author of your story? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Boy, you've... So here, I, I, I was getting the firewood of the campfire just down to a little, little simmer. And you just threw a log on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, well, All we'll right. end on a high note and yes, give people something to, All right. to kick off and with. And if you, if you didn't like that one, have this one, and there's a bonfire. <laughs> have fun with it. Well, we hope you were uh, inspired, encouraged. Um, we hope something here just sparked some health. Our, our goal is to help each other and help the audience flourish. And in life and in work and relationships, and especially in their relationship with God. And we thank you for joining us. The best way, uh, the highest compliment you can ever give us is by passing this along to somebody who you think would really enjoy it or somebody who needs it. So if this lands with you, if any of 
the episodes. That I, is a high compliment. I it, like that. I think if someone took me out to lunch saying thank you for your podcast, that might actually be higher. But yeah, if you want to pass that on too, that's good I, too. <laughs> I think that that paying it forward is is the oh, way to do it. And that, that's what lands with me. Is, blessed to be a blessing. Yes, 100%. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Until next time.